Alright everybody, welcome to another edition of the Stampede Podcast. Ido Benach, former Bulls 247 rider along with Dakota Wilson. Yo. Roland Dakota and uh, obviously this is the National Signing Day Podcast recap. Uh, basically going over the class. Uh, it's been a while since our last podcast but uh, basically give you guys a little bit of a recruiting breakdown with this podcast on uh, just basically the Bulls 2018 recruit class, what we liked about it, the key positions, and some of the things that they can look for going into the 2018 class. Who are some of the candidates that could see some early PT in this class? So uh, overall, the Bulls finish with a total of 26 signees, uh, six already enrolled at USF, so that's good. Uh, anytime you can get some early enrollees, I think it benefits your class. Um, and then I think the Bulls got some rating bumps as well, Dakota. Uh, who are the guys that 247 kind of bumped up for the class, for USF class? Well, we saw Dwayne Boyles finally get that um, well-earned fourth star on 247. And then we also saw Johnny Ford uh, got a little ratings bump as well as Armand Williams. Yeah, yeah. And I know that people were up in arms about Johnny Ford getting that, that ratings fixed, so... I'm sure that that was a big relief to USF fans. Uh, Dwayne Boyles, to me, that that's a really encouraging sign. I think uh, people who had been following this website, I mean, you said it, and I, I said it from the summer that, you know, Boyles was a supremely underrated prospect. And to see him get that four-star kind of shows you that, that USF really, really got themselves a stud prospect in Boyles. And just and another encouraging sign is the fact that he's enrolling early as well, so... I think it's just great to see that. I think Boyles is a kid that, um, you know, if there's any, like, we'll talk about this later, obviously, but if out of all the candidates to, for possible early playing time, I think he kind of stands out the most right now. Uh, but getting him in the class, getting him enrolled early so he can get into the physical shape and kind of learn the ropes a lot earlier than everyone, I think that's going to be super beneficial for Dwayne Boyles. Yeah, and I also think it's... Uh pretty cool that Charlie Strong was able to go in there early and uh, in his first full recruiting cycle snag a stud out of Miami Central and we all know the pipeline that Miami Central and USF have so hopefully that'll pay dividends in the future also exactly exactly so uh, Boyles is just like I said another big get another Miami Central kid you know Dietrich Nichols is from Miami Central Darnell Salomon is from Miami Central uh, Miami Central has been a great school to USF so you, you can't really complain about that 
Uh, Bulls finishes the second-ranked class in the conference, uh, only behind Cincinnati. And uh, you know, to, you gotta tip your cap to Luke Fickle, man. I mean, he's I mean, that's that's a hell of a class he put together. Uh, whether or not the results kind of turn out for them next year is a whole other situation, but I definitely think that was an impressive class and impressive haul on their part. But for USF, this is this is par for the course for Charlie Strong. I mean, this is what you kind of expect from him, uh, especially being back in the home state of Florida. This is his first full official recruiting class, and uh, you know, 62nd national ranking average. Uh, you know, outside of Dwayne Boyles and John Waller, there weren't many other four stars. But or yeah, I think Waller got uh, he got moved down to a three star. But I, I think just in general, this is an encouraging recruiting class, and they actually out recruited their own rival UCF. So uh, a lot of positive signs in this early recruiting class, Dakota. Yeah, there really is, and I think it just uh, the momentum just going to go forward because they say in recruiting like um, the momentum from two seasons ago usually like it, it usually takes two seasons to really get momentum. Now that we've put together two 10-win seasons in a row, I think recruiting is just going to keep going up, especially with all the talented kids in this next in next year's class. Yeah, yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, uh, you kind of the way you win is you build by you stack recruiting classes. So I, I think the fact that, you know, we've seen two pretty good classes, this one obviously being, I think, a little bit better, but we've seen two pretty good recruiting classes from Charlie is an encouraging sign about where this program is moving forward. Uh, you know, and there wasn't much turnover, coaching turnover, so I thought that was a huge help as well. Um, but definitely some encouraging things from this recruiting class. Uh, moving on, I, I think we want to kind of give up the most positive aspects of this class and then kind of balance it out with the negatives. Uh, Dakota, in your opinion, what do you think was the biggest positive that this class brought in terms of maybe position group or just overall thoughts on it? Well, I think definitely the defensive line, I think this could be go down as one of the best D-line uh, classes that USF's ever put together. You have a bunch of studs in there. We mentioned Boyles, Rashawn Yates, who I think, him and Boyles, I think, are the two guys that are going to see early playing time on that D-line. I think that there are some players. Ray, uh, Yates is basically ready size-wise already. He has that uh, that physicality that you look for in a D-end. Um, Stacey Kirby, too, is another uh really good prospect that they picked up on the D line. So I definitely think on the defensive side of the ball was, um, was where the bulls came away uh, with the biggest victory in this recruiting class. Yeah. And I, I'm going to have to agree with you there as well. I think defensive line wise, this is, this is how you win those defensive line battles. I mean, you got to get monsters and big time dogs on the defensive line. That's exactly what USF got. Uh, Dwayne Boyles is an example, a tremendous edge rusher, a guy that can play either standing up or with his hand in the ground. I know that USF is going to find ways to use it too, which really hurt. Uh, like you said, Rashawn Yates, the guy that already seems like ready to play, kind of come in next season, uh, be kind of like a rotation guy in the tackle spot, or even slide outside a little bit. But he's definitely a guy that's going to be really, really, really good for USF. Like you said, his physicality, his speed, uh, his ability to get into the backfield. You know, you're not going to find talent like that much in the state of Florida, especially for USF. Uh, for another, another kid I think that's going to be in the mix is John Waller. Uh, I mean, he was a huge, huge target for USF this offseason. Uh, they made him a priority, and it ended in his signature. And I think that's a big recruiting win for Charlie Strong. 
Uh, Waller was a kid that they had identified very early in the process. They wanted him, and he's a guy that's going to be really able to plug holes. And you know, look when you look at the defensive line. I mean, USF's defensive line this completely outperformed expectation. They were arguably the best position group on the team in 2017. So I think when you continue to stack that, it's it's only more encouraging and gives you a feeling that this defense is going to continue to stay stout and strong. Uh, so I, I definitely think the defensive line group is really good. I think offensive line-wise, too, I think they did really well. I think getting guys like uh, Donovan Jennings, Ethan Watson, uh, those are two solid offensive linemen. I think Brad Cecil, people don't talk about him a lot, but he's one of the more versatile offensive linemen in the class. He can line up at a number of positions, but I think right now the plan for USF is that they want to use him at center. So I also think offensive line was a pretty good haul. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, I think Brad Cecil is going to be better than people expect. I, I watch his tape and I see like that nasty, that mean streak um, that you want from the from your own. You like pancake people, throwing them around. He just plays angry, which I really love. Yeah, and, and so for signing day uh, down here in Miami, I went to Domino uh, and Madonna, and I actually got to talk with Sebastian Saint-Hilling. And uh, Sebastian Saint-Hilling, to be honest, when I saw him that day, he looked great because when I saw him in the summer, I thought he looked like a good prospect, but there was a lot of uh, you know baby fat and un- unnecessary weight that I felt like he had to kind of cut down on. But when I saw him at signing day, he looked like he was in tremendous shape. He looked like he had really cut down. And St. is another guy that I, I think is going to be really good for USF. Kind of reminds me of Dominique Three a little bit. You know, a, a big, low-to-center gravity type of offensive guard. A guy who can push people around, but can, out, can get out there, run block, and also provide some good pass protection. But I think on both sides of the offensive, offensive and defensive line, USF had a really good hole and. You know, for, for a group of five school, and I know people hate hearing this, winning the trenches, especially recruiting-wise, getting guys on the trenches is huge because it comes at such a premium because there's so many skill athlete players in the state of Florida. That's obvious. But getting those those guys in the trenches is, is a real, real necessity, and I think USF did a great job of that. Wow. Yeah, I agree. And another difficulty with the recruiting offensive linemen, um, as you mentioned, they're just not, there's not enough of them because a lot of them, um, they're not big enough. Like you don't have those big corn fed Midwestern guys. You have um, some kids that maybe, I mean, you see it with even the skill position players. Like that's why uh, coaches say you get them in the strength program. If they have the frame, they'll fill them out because they're not eating. Uh, they're not eating right at home and they don't, uh, they're not in the right strength and conditioning. So a lot of them, I feel like uh, aren't living up to their full potential because of that. Exactly. So I, I think, yeah, for for offensive line coach Matt Modix and defensive line coach uh, Coach Cogdell, I, I think they just did a tremendous job of, of working both sides of the, of the trenches here. And I think that's going to pay dividends for USF in the coming years. And you'll see when these guys start to establish their positions, they're going to have some experience the next couple of years moving on both sides of the ball there. But, you know, with that, I, I think there were uh, some downsides to this class. Uh, specifically, first and foremost, I think linebacker-wise, uh, they got Antonio Greer, who enrolled early, and I think he's going to be a good player. I, I think they're expecting him to kind of come in and contribute early, but that linebacker depth is still kind of a concern, Dakota. And uh, You know, you lose Augie Sanchez this year, who was 
I mean, he was your, your cowbell linebacker. He was the guy that, you know, everyone rallied around, and it's going to be kind of hard to replace him. Uh, we, we saw some early production from Kirsten Johnson last year, but kind of tailed off when he got injured last season at, towards the end of the year. And, you know, you only add one linebacker to this group, so it's going to be interesting to see if maybe USF tries to bring in a grad transfer. But I, I definitely think that linebacker is an area where they definitely could have done better. Absolutely, and I think uh, Greer is a little underrated as a player. I think he's uh, he's going to be a pretty solid guy. But yeah, you need other guys on the roster even currently. Like uh, Coach Strong mentioned in the press conference the other day, Jimmy guys like Jimmy Bays need to step up. He's a third, fourth year guy in the program, and he hasn't made his impact yet. And he's like he's going to be a guy that uh, the coaches are going to expect to make an impact this year, and that's what they need to happen. But on signing day, USF really missed. Uh, they really missed out on James Miller, who ended up signing with Indiana. Um, USF was pretty confident at the end that they that they would be able to uh, get him to consider, but he ended up flipping Indiana over FSU, and USF, it looks like, was on the outside looking in the whole time. So that's uh, got to be a little frustrating for Coach Strong and the staff. Yeah, and you mentioned that loss of James Miller to Indiana. Uh, we have to credit Indiana. Now we, you and I talked about this. Tom Allen, the last two years in Tampa, has done an absolute crazy job recruiting this kid. You, you go from landing Jawan Burgess, you, you go from landing James Miller, Michael Penix. I mean, those right there, those are three of Tampa's last top ten prospects in the area. And he's gotten them all to not only come to Indiana, but he's he's selling them on early plans. Let's be honest, I mean, I'll, I, Indiana, before anything, was kind of just like the bottom feeder of the Big Ten, and he's getting kids to actually go there and be interested. And I mean, he's got the program trending in the right direction, but the recruiting dividends are really paying off from his hire. Yeah, he is. He's been giving USF hell. Uh, Tom Allen's been giving USF hell on the recruiting trail ever since he left. Um, uh, yeah, they snagged the Tampa Bay Times offensive and and uh, Michael Penix and James Miller. And then they got another guy, Jonathan King, who is a right. huge uh, guy out of Tampa Bay Tech who used to be committed to Oregon when Tiger was there. Like He's a big-time recruit, too. So Tom Allen is just tearing it up. For I don't know how he's getting those kids up to Bloomington, but he's, he's doing it. Yeah, so I think, uh, I think linebacker definitely was a part that kind of hurt USF in this class. They're going to have to address it massively in 2019 because – it becomes a it's already a major concern at this point but you know in 2019 you have to I, I figure at least take two three possibly four linebackers uh other than that i think maybe running back might be another concern for for this class i know that you landed johnny ford who looks like a good playmaker uh his size to me is somewhat of a concern so i think you have to temper your expectations due to his size but you know, he, he excelled in the Miami-Dade County level, and there's a lot of talent here. So I, I'm expect I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. Uh, Terrence Horn out of Miramar, he's another fast athlete. He's a really explosive guy when he gets the ball in his hands, similar to Johnny Ford. Uh, I think they're great athletes. My only concern is that, you know, when you miss on a guy like Jerome Ford, you, you don't really kick the tires on a guy like Patrick Jolly. Uh and in, in, in there's a, a couple other athletes that they were interested in but just never really uh, knocked the, knocked on the door for them. Uh, it, I think you, you really – this is two years in a row now where you're not signing like a really premier running back. 
and I, I'm, that's not a discredit to Brian Norris because I think the staff is really high on what he can do. And they're expecting him big, big things from him. And, uh, you know, running back depth for USF, USF right now isn't a major concern. I wouldn't label it a major concern. However, uh, I think, Dakota, you kind of said it. There, there isn't really any home run hitters on running backs right now. There isn't really any home run hitters. Yeah, you got the. Uh, I mean, you got pretty much two polar opposite guys. Johnny Ford is a small, compact guy, but he's fast as lightning. And then you got uh, a guy like Brian Norris, who's six two, two hundred and twenty pounds, and he's a uh, like he's just a power runner. You don't really have that uh, that mix of, uh, in between. And I think the coaches obviously have to be real confident about Jordan Cronkite going forward. Um, but that, that yeah, running back is definitely going to be a huge uh, hole to fill in this next class. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be a position where they're going to really need to identify their targets because every year in the state of Florida, running back is one of the most sought-after positions because it's a difference-maker position. But USF's going to really need to kind of, I guess, lock eyes on a target early and then really commit to them because the last couple of years, I mean, A.J. Davis went to Pitt, uh, Jerome Ford ended up signing with Alabama, which was somewhat of a surprise that, you know, Alabama went after him and really made him made him a serious target. But uh, a credit to to Alabama because they just won championships, so they can kind of do what they want. But uh, I mean, what it, it's kind of it's going to be interesting to see how Sean King kind of uh, tries to tackle this running back position. Uh, but for now, I guess we'll give it kind of like a position by position breakdown. Uh, so we'll start off with quarterback. Uh, quarterback. Octavius Battle got a, a, a ratings boot, I saw. Uh, he's officially a three-star, and now he's in the top 20 uh, of dual-threat quarterbacks in the country. And this has kind of been the same theme that you and I have been talking about uh, this whole year. I mean, he was severely underrated, and his rating now is at an 85, but people are excited about Octavius Battle and see what he can do. Uh, not enrolling early, which kind of affects his chances of truly – being in the quarterback race, although I'm not counting him completely out, but I, I do think it affects it in a dramatic way. But uh, Octavius Battle is somebody that I think USF fans should be very excited. Yeah, I agree with you there. He was underrated, under recruited, and I I really can't find out why. The kid has all the physical traits. It's he's six three, six four, like between 190 200 pounds. Um, he's mobile. He threw for over 3000 yards and like 25 touchdowns in uh, in Georgia in one of the highest, um, population, uh, classes in Georgia. And he did, he was definitely a difference maker for his team and almost rushed for a thousand yards in the ground too. I guess it must've been just a really big year for, um, quarterbacks in Georgia with Lawrence and fields or something. Cause he was, he was really overlooked during the process. And that really, uh, that puzzled me like the entire time. Yeah, and what I think is going to be interesting about this is that this is U- uh, the Charlie Strong's first uh, quarterback class that he's going to be really embracing because he inherited uh, Chris Olatokun and Brett Keen, but these are the quarterbacks that he picks out. So I'm interested to see you know, how this guy is going to develop, how battle develops, because like you said, he's got all the physical tools. The highlight tape looks really impressive. He's a tremendous athlete, no question about it, but... The development of him and how they plan to use him is very, very. Uh, like at running back, like we said, they landed Brian Norris, early enrollee, uh, big physical guy, 6'2", 6'3". 
200 pounds. It'd be interesting to see what he can bring to the table. Uh, other running backs, I guess, would be Johnny Ford, like you mentioned. Kind of a little ball of lightning. Uh, Size-wise, isn't the best, but uh, I'm sure the USF staff can find a, a bunch of different ways to get him involved and get him out in space. Uh, same with Terrence Horn, although Terrence Horn might be a lot. So I, I think that, like I said, underwhelming position haul, but overall I, I think that going to be a major neat p- position of focus in 29. Uh, and then receiver was the interesting position because it didn't seem like receiver was a, a major focus for this class. Uh, the only one you can really point out was Zion Rowland. And then you could also, I guess, point at Terrence Horn as possibly being receiver. But Zion Roland is a great receiver. Not a great receiver, very good receiver. Uh, I think he's technical in his routes. He's a good, great route runner. He's got good size. Uh, to me, personally, he reminds me a lot of Tyree McCants, honestly. Uh, similar size, similar build, uh, similar ability. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that with the... I don't know if he's going to be an immediate impact type of player, but... Definitely a guy that with a redshirt year can get some really good development. Yeah, he's a guy that when you get the uh, the coaches at Admiral Farragut, they they would try to get the ball in his hands any possible way they could. I think he was returning kicks at one point. Um, I think going out of the Wildcat and stuff like that. He's a uh, he's a really talented player, which uh, I agree with you on the skill set of Tyree McCants. He's just a he's a dependable receiver. He's got good hands and he's good with his routes. Um, doesn't do anything. Like excellent, but he does everything good. So that's a well, really a well-rounded player that you'd like to have on your roster. Yeah, one thousand percent. I think Zion was like we said with Waller. I mean, he's Waller's teammate, but he's a guy that the the staff kind of identified early. Uh, they wanted him. Uh, there isn't like a desperate need for receivers in this class, so I understand why they only took one. But uh, a good receiver, nonetheless, one that I think uh, in the coming years can definitely contribute at USF. Um, now for tight end, they only took Chris Carter. Uh, I'm really high on Chris Carter. I think he's got tremendous ability, and uh, even the people down in the South Dade area and Larry Bluestein, I spoke with. Him, I think he's even told Dakota that Chris Carter is a guy that has great physical size. He's already six three, two twenty. Really, really plays with that strength, and he's a great route runner and, and has great hands too. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think he's a redshirt candidate as well, but he's a really, really good land. And he's a guy I'm, I'm even surprised USF held on to the way they did. Uh, a tremendous player. Yeah, I was really happy with um, them holding on to Chris Carter and getting him to sign early and everything. And uh, he's going to be needed. He, he probably will redshirt next year, but with, uh, with the departure of Kane O'Dellon, he might be needed uh, sooner uh, yeah. rather than later. But they have Frederick Lloyd uh, waiting. So as long as he's able to put good size on, I think that they'll go with him over Carter. But he's a really talented guy that uh, I was high on also, Tito. And I know a lot of a lot of people are really high on him and kind of surprised that he ended up here. Yeah, I know the staff was very excited when they landed his commitment and they feel like he can be a big-time tight end at USF for the coming years. And like you mentioned, I it, I didn't consider it, but Elkano Dillon's departure does kind of affect whether or not they redshirt uh, Carter. Although I, I think... Like you mentioned, Frederick Lloyd is now a full year in, and uh, I think he's athletic enough and big enough to kind of uh, be able to make an impact, hopefully, this upcoming season. And obviously, Mitchell Wilcox is the cowbell there, so I don't think they're really in a desperate need for tight ends. But uh, definitely a good hole. Um, 
I think they can probably add maybe another one or two in the next class in terms of tight ends, but uh, Chris Carter is a great get. Uh, offensive line-wise, uh, like I said earlier, I think this was a good class for the offensive line. Ethan Watson, Donovan Jennings, Brad Cecil, uh, Sebastian Saintling, all guys with, with really, really good size. Can't complain about that. Uh, I think Ethan Watson is a mauler. Donovan Jennings is another physical beast that both are, there are a couple towers that, you know, they can get their feet right and get the technique and whatnot and get acclimated to the speed of the game. They can be uh, two cornerstones on the offensive tackle spot for USF. I just think the part about this that kind of hurts was they had uh, the offensive, offensive tackle committed. I can't remember his name right now. Adonis Boone. Adonis Boone and, he was one that USF was really hoping to keep in the class, although I think he ended up at Louisville. He was a tough loss. I think Kenneth Horsey committing to Kentucky uh, was one that USF was kind of hoping would go their way. But the thing with Horsey was USF did everything in their power to get Horsey, and he kept giving them encouraging signs. But when he didn't commit by the summer, which they thought he was going to, and he told them he was going to, uh, they kind of knew that that was a bad sign. And I think well, the moment he landed that Kentucky offer, things kind of went south from there. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Horsey, was, he's a really good player, and uh, I think he was maybe waiting for that bigger offer, like that SEC offer, and like you said, once they came, um, I think that was pretty much all she wrote there. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's still a good hole. I mean, there was a couple tough misses there, with, like you said, with Boone and uh, with Boone and – Gosh, and Horsey as well. But um, overall, definitely a good haul. Uh, defensive line, we already spoke about that. Great haul. I definitely think that they they did a great job with that. Uh, Linebacker-wise, we mentioned already that they only took one linebacker in this class, so it was cool to, to really see that being a good thing moving forward. Uh, I think in 2019, there has to be a huge focus on linebacker. They got to really, really establish some early targets and get on them. And then defensive back-wise, I think this is another great haul defensive back-wise. Last year, they landed that Carroll City trio, uh, although one of those guys is no longer with the program. Uh, but uh, I think Natron Culpepper is doing great. Darnell Thomas seems like a, a really good special teams candidate. In this class, they added Keon Helton. They added Eugene Bowman, who's got good size. They added Vince Davis, who got a ratings bump, and according to all the 247 scouts, they really like him despite his, his short size. He's actually 5'10", five, five, but they one of the one of the more athletic corners in the in the country. And uh, I think this is another good defensive back hole for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I'm really high on Vince Davis as well because I mean you gotta you gotta admire when you watch his tape. He's like you said, he's not uh, the biggest guy in stature, but man, he throws his body into every single hit. He like he gives it his all and he knocks some people down too. He's a I think he's a really talented player. Um, Eugene Bowman, he's a, a Vincent's teammate up at uh, Lee High School. Up there, and I think he gives the bull. I think he he comes in around six foot one or six foot. I think he gives him a little bit of the longer cornerbacks that uh, Coach Strong and the staff have been looking for. Because I know they're um, kind of frustrated with the uh, shorter corners that Willie um, Willie got. And then 
I think that um, Keon Helton is a candidate that he could come in, and I think he could play pretty early at safety. That's interesting um, because I, I think Keon is a guy that, for right now, I think he's a special teams candidate. But it, when you look at his tape, he is physical, and he does play with a sense of coming down and making. But I do think you're right. I think he could the defensive back spot. However, I mean, you know, Dakota, that our defense, USF's defensive back spot is it has a lot of depth. Amon Thomas, Natron Culpepper, uh, Mazzy Wilkins had a great year. Uh, there's a bunch a bunch of guys there that I think are slowly starting to come onto their own. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him crack that spot, but at the same time, it, I think a redshirt year would be very beneficial. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I don't think um, – I don't really see any of them contributing um, – Besides, like special teams this year, but I think going forward that uh, that Keon will be a pretty pretty good piece for USF's defense. Agreed, one thousand percent. I think he kind of fits the mold of what Charlie Strong likes in these uh, in these running in these safeties, which is you know fast, athletic guys who cover a lot of ground and can play. Uh, and, and to wrap up a couple other prospects. Uh, Jordan McLeod out of Tampa Plant. Uh, I liked this take a lot for a couple different Mainly, I, I think it, USF had landed the Plant kid, if I'm correct. Like, when was the last? Was Mazzy Wilkins the last Tampa Plant that he took? Yeah, I think Mazzy and Mitchell Wright, uh, who doesn't play football anymore um, yeah. because of back injury, I think. But, I, um, yeah, I think those are the last two kids out of Plant that uh, USF's managed to land. Yeah, so I, I definitely think getting getting Jordan was great, I, for for a couple of reasons. Also because you know obviously the intent for him is to play quarterback. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I, I think he has flashes of being a good quarterback. Although long term, I I think he does make a move maybe to either defensive back or receiver. But I I want to see how how USF uses him and keep an eye on him and. Uh, during the training camp and see what the coaches are saying about McLeod. Obviously, he has a good bloodline with his brother, Ray Ray, who I believe either declared for the draft or is coming back to Clemson. I can't remember. Uh, but he's a good prospect for a, for a number of reasons because he opens up the connection at Tampa Atlanta, and he can also play a number of positions for USF. Uh, Randall Copeland is an... Yeah, Jordan's just an athlete. Yeah, he is listed as an, an athlete. Uh, Randall Copeland inside linebacker from East Gadsden. Uh, kind of a relative unknown, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what he brings into the table. Uh, like I mean, he is a linebacker, but uh, he won't be getting there to the summer, so it'll be interesting to see what he can contribute. On his tape, he looks like a guy that may take a couple years to develop, maybe more of a project for right now, but definitely plays with a sense of physical aggression. Uh, and then Armand Williams, which is kind of like a, 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 Sw- a Swiss Army knife who could... I think he could play linebacker or defensive end, right, Dakota? Yeah, and honestly, he's got the frame where I've heard that they might even move him in. He's already sitting at 6'3", 260, so I think instead of linebacker, I think it would be more likely they move inside to D-tackle maybe. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, that's another great defensive line haul if that's the case. And, uh, you know, Devin Leacock, uh, I think Joey Knight tweeted something about him uh, a week ago about how he set 
the Florida record for weightlifting and like, like I think it was like a deadlift of like 800 pounds and that would be like a USF record as it is. He's a weightlifting freak and if USF defensive line coach Damon Cogdell uh, can get him right in terms of just the technique, I think USF can really do something with him and, and kind of slowly progress him into a major defensive tackle for this team. So Leacock is... He's a project, but he's somebody that has a lot of promise with with, with obviously the physical and strength uh, attributes that he already has. Yeah, I love this take. I love uh, love the take of Devin Leacock. I absolutely love it when big D tackles are weightlifters, and especially as as good as a weightlifter as Devin is. Uh, the last two huge weightlifting guys that came in. Um, Adrian Tanat, one of the strongest guys on the team, and Todd Chandler, another one of the strongest guys on the team, and two of USF's better defensive tackles in the last five, six years. So I think that that's a positive sign, and I think that he's uh, going to come in and make an impact on the program. Yeah, and then uh, I know there was some confusion about whether or not he was going to end up in the class, but uh, Tyrone Barber, uh, state championship Venice team uh, defensive tackle, he ends up signing. I think he's another guy that plays with a lot of physical aggression, uh, really knows how to get up the A-gap and, and and get between offensive linemen and double teams. So he's probably another redshirt candidate for right now, but uh, definitely a guy that I think USF – and and this is something that I think people tend to forget is, you know, with defensive linemen, you have to keep those guys fresh. You can't, you can't rotate the same four or five. You have to keep those legs fresh, so – I, I'm a really big fan of USF really building uh, a lot of depth on this defensive line so that they can really uh, power their will on a lot of these opposing offenses that they're going to face uh, with these defensive linemen. Yeah, I think that uh, it's important, just like you referenced earlier, just to, uh, just to get an advantage in the trenches and by going by – they honestly, they might have oversigned defensive linemen um, this – year but I think that that that's I think that's a good thing though because like you said you need to be able to get those fresh legs in there at a position where you're going hard every single play down in the line and you're like battling physically every single play those guys get tired really easily so I think that that's really good that they got as uh the quantity that they did yeah absolutely and uh last couple names we'll just add here uh Trey Lang uh whose brother Kyler Lang is, is still considering USF I think the latest article uh, mentioned that he still has USF. It'd be great to land both Lang brothers because they're—I mean—they're tremendous athletes. I know Trey is already kind of a USF fan favorite for that tweet saying that UCF isn't going to beat USF next year. But uh, he's another guy I like on the outside. He's got good length, good speed. Uh, His—he—he he gets really low on his pass rush, and I think something you tend to see in a lot of these recruits, and especially uh, defensive ends, is they rely just on their speed rather than their technique, and they don't get a lot of bend, which when you get to the college level, that, that can affect you. Trey Lang does a really good job of getting bend. He has good speed. Uh, he has a, a little bit of an uh, a little bit of a collection of pass rush moves, which, you know, for, for someone so young, you kind of expect them just to rely on their pure athletic ability, but you can kind of see that Lang is uh, a little bit more polished as a defensive end than most of them come. Uh, I, I, I would still rank... Dwayne Boyle's ahead of them, but the, those two guys, I mean, that, those are some defensive ends that USF landed there. I mean, and then you throw in Rashawn Yates, although I think he slides inside eventually. Uh, 
Trey Lang is is a great great ad for this class. Yeah, that swim move and um, I believe spin move that yep. Trey has in his arsenal are really deadly, and you can watch on his tape. I mean, that's why the kid com- got eighteen sacks this year. I think him and his brother combined for like over thirty five sacks or something crazy like that. Like, yeah, those are two pass rushing kids that you want on your team. Yeah, so I think his brother is yeah, Kyler Lang. So hopefully, Bulls can land Kyler in the twenty nineteen class. I mean, at this point, it seems like Kyler might be a bigger recruit than his brother. So. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that moving forward. Uh, and then the last recruit that we'll mention is Jaquan Cherry out of Okeechobee. Uh, this is a, a take I really liked because Cherry can play a number of positions, both offense and defense. Ultimately, I think we end, we end up seeing him as a defensive back because he can kind of be that nickel corner. But the thing I love about Cherry is, one, he has a tremendous story that I think a lot of people know. Uh, lost both parents in car accidents, which is terrible. But you know he he is a fighter. I mean, he plays with a defensive mindset on both sides of the ball, and he hits hard. He he gets up into the box and makes tackles. He has great feet. He can flip his hips really well. He a lot of people consider him to be one of the best athletes in the state of Florida, and USF got him as one of the earliest commitments in this class. Yeah, he's a guy that never wavered on his commitment to USF. I honestly don't even know if he visited another school, um, signed early. He was, I believe, he signed on campus at Beefs, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, his story, his just his story. Um, if you go check it out, is just an amazing story, and just his athletic ability just like adds to it. I think he's going to be uh, an important piece, um, and we're going to look back and and be really happy that we signed that kid. So yeah, uh, that's basically the cl- the class overall. Uh, I-, I think, like we mentioned before, Dakota, this is uh, just another great class that USF can kind of build on. Um, ultimately, I-, I think that you know, there aren't many negatives to it outside of maybe linebacker and running back. Uh, but this is something I think USF fans should be very happy moving forward. Uh, lastly, I guess we kind of touched on this a little bit, but. Are there any early early playing candidates that you kind of see in total in this class? I, I only see a, maybe a couple, but and, and there's there's nothing to be ashamed about that. I want I want to clarify there shouldn't be any uh, bad vibes about that. I think you know for USF they kind of have a lot of guys that have had positions established, so it's going to be hard to unseat kids. But I think there is there any kids that you can kind of see cracking into the depth chart this year? Yeah, I think. Um... I think Antonio Greer is going to play just because of the, how thin we are at linebacker, and it's kind of a necessity. And then I also think that, Boyle, like what we touched on earlier, I think Boyles and Yates are the other two guys who um, could see the earliest playing time. Right. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say Antonio Greer as well. I think just the linebacker is the field. I think for U.S. Come out and and you kind of said it that Charlie Strong even uh, Jimmy Bays really needs to come on this year. I mean it, it you know he's a three year guy. His emergence will actually be positive for Antonio Greer because it kind of limits the amount of time Greer needs to play versus being able to put him in situations where he doesn't have to do too much. Um, and also Kirsten Johnson can kind of get that second year of experience. 
Uh, I think Dwayne Boyles is going to get involved this year. I think he's the guy that USF is going to have to find a way to get him into the pass rushing situation, maybe on third down, uh, maybe using like a Greg Reeves off the edge, whatnot. Uh, Boyles, he can flip his hips and he can run too. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they disguise him maybe as a pass rusher a couple times and then drop him into coverage. He's versatile like that. Um, outside of that, I don't see many uh, early playing kids. In the offensive line, I think maybe you could throw out uh, a couple guys who could see like some, some PT towards the end of the games. I think maybe Brad Cecil. I think he's my only offensive line candidate. I think that leaves uh, the field next year in a but yeah uh i think those are the candidates for early playing but uh but i think that basically wraps up this podcast guys um appreciate you guys listening as always uh definitely be giving you guys some more content as the as the year goes on spring ball is coming up so it should definitely be exciting to see what some of the young pups can do uh, in spring ball, specifically Boyles and uh, Antonio Greer. So uh, definitely excited to see that. Anything from you, Dakota? Yeah, with uh, spring ball coming up and pro day, make sure you guys are um, thumbnailing and bookmarking Bulls 24-7 and checking for the daily updates. All right. Uh, that's it for the That's it from the Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening.